Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to Black History Unveiled with me, Amat Levine, the podcast where we spotlight pivotal moments, influential figures, and groundbreaking movements from black history, from the continent to the diaspora. In last week's main episode about Mansa Musa and the mighty Mali Empire, I mentioned Mali's national epic or origin story. It is an oral legend called the Epic of Sunjata. It tells the story of a local king in the area comprising present-day Mali, who, inspired by a prophecy, fathered a child with an unexpected woman. The son was named Sunjata, and the prophecy said that in the future, this child would become a mighty king. But as a child, Sunjata was weak and could barely walk. Even worse was that it was not Sunjata's mother who was the king's first wife. The first wife was determined that her son, Sunjata's older half-brother, should become the new king. Despite the father making it clear that he wanted Sunjata to succeed him when he died, the first wife chose to crown her son as the new ruler as soon as the opportunity arose. Alone and exposed, Sunjata was forced to seek refuge in a neighboring country. Around the same time, the vile Sumauro Kanti unfurled his reign of terror, and upon reaching Mali, the land's desperate cries summoned Sunjata home. He mustered an alliance, returned with vigor, vanquished Kanti, and thus sowed the seeds of the Mali Empire. About ten years ago, I read an article trying to link the epic of Sunjata and one of the most popular Disney films of our time, The Lion King. Disney's The Lion King premiered in 1994 and was a massive success. I was eight and saw it at least twice at the movies. 
Two works are usually cited as the inspiration for The Lion King. The first and more controversial is the Japanese manga series Kimba, the White Lion, published in the 1950s. In the 60s, it became an anime series and movie. Since the premiere of The Lion King, there have been periodic accusations that Disney plagiarized Kimba the White Lion, something the accusers claim to be evident in both the plot and certain visual elements. Disney's defenders, on the other hand, maintain that the comparisons are exaggerated. The other obvious inspiration is William Shakespeare's classic play Hamlet, written at the turn of the 16th and 17th centuries. It's about the Danish prince Hamlet who must take revenge on his uncle Claudius, a man who murdered Hamlet's father and stole the throne. The similarities with the Lion King are apparent. But in recent years, it has become more common to, in some circles, also draw parallels to the epic of Sunjata. And there are certainly similarities there too. A prince who is forced into exile, who in exile grows strong and powerful, who remains abroad, gradually getting used to his new existence, his new life, until his homeland is threatened by a brutal tyrant and the people there plead with the prince to come back. A prince who then returns, defeats the cruel enemy, and becomes the new king. So, has Disney been inspired by, or even stolen, from this ancient oral tradition? Those who claim so mean that Disney borrowed freely from Mali's national epic, without giving due credit. And it's not too far-fetched of an accusation. After all... Throughout time, we have plenty of examples of how the Western world borrowed, was inspired by, or stole from black and African artists without compensating them for it. But regarding The Lion King, the case for outright theft holds less water. Because despite some similarities, there are also many differences. In the film, for example, Simba is a healthy child who can hardly wait to become king, while Sunjata is described as a sickly or even disabled boy who was quite uninterested in the throne for a long time. In The Lion King, it is Simba's uncle who is the big bad villain, while in Sunjata's story, it is his stepmother, older half-brother, and above all, the foreign conqueror, Somauro Kantea. That there are some similarities between the two stories is obvious. Still, it's next to impossible to say whether Disney was even aware of this oral tradition, or whether, as is the more common explanation, they were simply inspired by Hamlet. Moreover, stories of succession, betrayal, jealous siblings, heroes rising from the bottom, and wars of liberation are hardly unique either to Hamlet or the epic of Sunjata. Similarities can be found between the Lion King and various works, stories, and traditions worldwide. If you want to talk about Disney's role in stealing from Africans, a better example is the case of one of the songs used in The Lion King. The song, The Lion Sleeps Tonight, 
one of the film's signatures. The original song was made by Solomon Linda, born in 1909 in South Africa. He made a living working a couple of odd jobs and also sang in a choir called the Evening Birds. During the final years of the 1930s, he worked packing records in a studio belonging to the Gallo Record Company, South Africa's largest record company. While working there, he was discovered for his singing talents, which led to him and the Evening Birds recording a song called Mbube, Lion. This is how it sounds. It is Solomon Linda who sings the high notes over the deep voices, a melody he improvised on the spot. This is the same melody used in The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Solomon Linda received 10 shillings for the recording, which today equates to one or two dollars. It was an undeniably good deal for the record company, considering the song became a hit with South Africa's black population in the 1940s, selling upwards of 100,000 copies in that decade. It was also popular with black South Africans who migrated to England. At the beginning of the 1950s, the American music producer and ethnomusicologist Alan Lomax found a copy of the record. Lomax is usually credited with discovering musicians such as blues legend Muddy Waters. He also made a name for himself by collecting traditional folk music from the American South and other parts of the world. He found the record in a box sent from South Africa with the hope that someone would want to release the music in the U.S. But nobody did, and supposedly the box was about to be thrown away when Lomax found it. He instantly fell in love with Solomon Linda's song and knew exactly who to give it to. Lomax took it with him and played it for Pete Seeger, one of the members of the American folk group, The Weavers. The Weavers soon began touring with their own rendition of the song, and in 1951 they recorded and released it. In Solomon Linda's original, the choir sings Uyimbebe, which in Zulu means roughly, you are a lion. The Weavers obviously didn't know what the words meant, but they also misheard them. Instead of Yimbebe, they thought the South Africans were singing Wimowe, which of course means nothing, but it still became the name of the Weaver's version. This version also became a hit and reached the Billboard Top 10 chart. But Solomon Linda was not credited as a songwriter. The original melody and words were assumed to be a traditional Zulu song, which no one could claim ownership of. 
Instead, new versions of the song continued to be recorded by other bands, including The Tokens in 1961. Their version stood out from the others. It used the same melody that Linda first sang, but in this version, songwriter George David Weiss introduced the lyrics we know today. You know, the one with the words, In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. This version became an even bigger hit, climbing to number one on the Billboard charts. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back in South Africa, Solomon Linda had continued to struggle as an artist during the 50s. Although versions of his song made the top charts in the U.S. and Europe, he received no royalties. The 10 shillings he received after recording was all he had to show for it. In 1959, he collapsed during a performance and doctors diagnosed kidney failure. Three years later, in 1962, he died, aged only 52 or 53. He was destitute and passed with only the equivalent of $10 to his name. Meanwhile, new versions of the song continued to be recorded. In the Western world, it became synonymous in many ways with Africa or quote-unquote African music. And when Disney used the song in its mega-hit The Lion King, it was introduced to a whole new generation. A few years later, the critically acclaimed Lion King musical premiered, where the song appeared once more. In 2000, the South African journalist Ryan Milan 
pitched a story to Rolling Stone magazine. He wanted to write about how this South African song spread throughout the world, but also what happened to the money. For decades, it had generated millions of dollars, but for who? He managed to find Solomon Linda's four daughters who lived in the neighborhood of Zola in Soweto, one of Johannesburg's southern suburbs. They said they knew someone had done something with the song abroad, but were unaware of its success. In his article, Ryan Milan portrays a classic story about the dirty record industry and how power structures and a prejudiced view of Africans combined to make the heist possible. Heist might be a misleading word. There has been a lot of debate as to whether the song can be considered stolen. And from a purely legal perspective, the answer is probably no. Solomon Linda did sign the contract selling the song to the label for 10 shillings. However, critics are quick to point out that one needs to examine the power relationship between Linda and the label. He was employed there and had a low-paying job as a record packer. What did he know about copyrights, royalties, or foreign record companies? As an employee of the record company, his defenders claim he didn't realize he had the right to make money from the song. And according to his daughters, he couldn't read or write, so how much did he even understand what he was signing? Pete Seeger You remember, the Weavers member who recorded the first rendition of the song reportedly wanted the original composer to be compensated, a request he conveyed to his publisher. They assured him they would take care of it, but other than the occasional check here and there, they didn't. Solomon Linda's family received only a fraction a forgettably small portion of the many millions of dollars that foreign record companies, publishers, and artists made on the song. Ryan Milan's story led to increased interest, and in 2002, he followed up the article with a documentary, Alliance Trail. In 2004, Solomon Linda's daughter sued Disney for using the song in The Lion King and the large amount of unpaid royalties. It was a real David and Goliath situation that got international media talking. The giant, multinational and greedy Disney against a poor black South African family. The story generated headline after headline. In 2006, after several years of legal battle, the parties reached a settlement. Solomon Linda's family was awarded a lump sum and a percentage of future royalties. Additionally, Solomon Linda was finally credited as the official original composer of the song. But one of Disney's demands was that it would never be revealed how big the lump sum was. Disney also wanted the money not to go directly to Linda's daughters, but to a fund that would periodically pay out the money to them. It could have ended as a feel-good story, but almost immediately a dispute arose over the money. Several players were involved. The law firm representing the daughters, the Gallo Record Company, and the government of South Africa that assisted them, the Association for Music Rights, 
South Africa's Department of Arts and Culture had promised to cover large parts of the legal costs, but there were suddenly demands for fees paid by the family, which were deducted from the lump sum awarded to them. Accusations of mismanagement have been showered on those who manage the fund. In contrast, those who control the fund defend themselves by claiming that several large sums have been paid out. Some of them have also accused the family of having wasted the money they received. According to the family, they still need more insight into the fund and have yet to receive reports or account statements of how much has come in or been paid out. The story of Solomon Linda is a story of redemption, but also a story about how things tend to repeat themselves and how prejudice and mistrust continue to characterize both the record industry and South Africa as a country. I have spared you much of the legal details of this case. Still, for those interested, I can recommend the movie Remastered, The Lion's Share from 2018, where the Solomon Linda story and the legal battle are told in detail. Solomon Linda did, however, recently get further credit of sorts from the biggest artist in the world. While voicing Nala in the 2019 live-action remake of The Lion King, Beyoncé supposedly learned of Solomon Linda's story. So in her 2020 musical film Black is King, which accompanied her 2019 soundtrack album The Lion King The Gift, she included Solomon Linda's original recording of Mbube in the opening of the song Mood Forever. Perhaps that will drive more people to discover Solomon Linda's work. Thank you for listening to Black History Unveiled with me, Amat Levine. If you've listened this far and liked what you've heard, check out patreon.com slash blackhistoryunveiled to access ad-free episodes, maps and pictures, bonus episodes, and more. You'll also find a comprehensive list of sources for this episode. If you don't want to become a Patreon subscriber, another way to help me is to share the podcast on social media, recommend it to someone you know, or give it a rating or a review on the podcast app you're using. That's it for this week. Next week, I'm back with a new main episode. I'll see you guys then. Peace. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. shopify.com slash work.